Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Welcome to The Times Opinion Podcast. My name is Tim Montgomery, and we're going to have a special Greek edition of the podcast today with a little bit of a budget preview at the end. And I'm joined by one of my fellow columnists, a specialist in foreign affairs, Roger Boys, and also our business editor, Richard Fletcher. Richard, starting with you, we're um, recording this on Monday afternoon and some of our listeners therefore may know more about Europe's reaction than we do at this time. But if we can interpret the referendum result as anything, and it was a slightly odd question, it's a clear rejection of austerity, if not a clear rejection of the Eurozone. Oh, no, absolutely. It's it's definitely a a rejection of austerity. Um, And I suppose it's the first sort of victory, if that's the right word, for Europe's left for quite quite a while. We've obviously seen local elections in Spain, but it was a victory for anti-austerity and a victory for the left. Do you buy that, um, Roger Boyes? Because some on the left are saying not only is it a victory for the left, it's almost like a a rebirth of Euroscepticism on the left, their concern about the financial centralisation and the austerity model that has dominated the Eurozone economy, particularly since the crash. Well, that's hardly read, yeah, as a shot in the arm for populists uh, on the right as well as on the left, it seems to me. I mean, UKIP was already crowing uh, about it. I must say, it's partly the result was fixed, basically, by this extraordinary uh, framing of the questions, whereby you, where, whereby you try and factor out the fact that a large, large, large majority of Greeks are, in fact, in favour of staying in the Eurozone. So what you do is formulate questions so it's sort of, do you want to stay in the Eurozone uh, but want to reject an offer, which, by the way, is no longer on the table, or do you want to stay in the Eurozone um, and accept anything at all. Uh, so it became a question, and in those terms, I would also have voted no, because it's a question about subservience. And, of course, this is kind of raw meat for populist groups across the spectrum. But um, I must say, you know, they shouldn't rejoice too early. It's a, it's a bit of a pyrrhic victory, as we say in Greece. As you say in Greece, we've had lots of uh, Greek um, expressions used in all these articles and headlines recently. But 
the the view of um, Syriza in Greece, the common view up until now at least, has been that they've been slightly amateurish in their handling of their negotiations with the European Union. Do we have to revisit that judgment? Because it may well be that they'll crash out of the Eurozone and we'll have a humanitarian crisis in Greece over the next few weeks that um, will shock us. But at the moment, Monday afternoon, the day after the referendum, there's quite a few people in Europe reacting to the resignation of the finance minister, seeming to look like they might accommodate, find an accommodation for Greece. Yes, I mean, uh, well, I suppose uh, what they've done is changed the tone. Um, and uh, the resignation of the finance minister, which was certainly planned, it seems to me, long, long ahead by the Greeks, kind of reaffirms that. There's going to be a different tone from the Greeks. And I think that it's going to, the crisis is going to be redefined. I mean, we've already got Schäuble uh, saying, uh, the, the German, German finance, finance minister, minister, kind of indicating that whatever happens, um, it's going to be, you know, that Greece is going to be a kind of ward of Europe. Uh, so already those terms are changing. The tone is changing. We've got people saying, oh, well, it's now a victim. Uh, that's to say it needs humanitarian assistance almost as if a massive earthquake has broken out over Greece rather than any... Uh, so, so the whole conversation about who's to blame um, and the neglect of structural reform and uh, the pantomime of, of the Syriza negotiation has been pushed to one side and now we're in a kind of slightly different dimension. But the grinding facts, which I'm sure Reggie will tell us, are that, um, you know, they're going to run out of money, banks are going to have to be nationalised at some stage, I suppose, and we will indeed slide towards... Uh, I imagine what the European, uh, the Euro Eurozone will call a suspension of uh, Greek membership. Fletch. I, I mean, I, the, the resignation of Varoufakis, the market took great uh, comfort in that, which is one of the reasons I've seen we've seen such a muted reaction, or relatively muted reaction today, I believe, is because uh, the markets, at least, and the markets have seized on good news throughout uh, the, the last few months, but they certainly believe that is a sign that there's a deal to be done, and this is the first olive branch. I mean, this idea that they've had great negotiations, I mean, the damage that's already been done to the Greek economy, I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to forget that, you know, Greece was actually performing quite well uh, towards the end of last year, the start of this year, we saw growth, you know, but the damage done to the Greek economy uh, over the last few weeks, um, you know, has, has been immense. And and they, you know, it's it's down to the support of the ECB. The Greek banks are still standing, and it's whether, you know, over the next few days, the ECB is desperate not to get drawn into what's seen as a political decision. But if they continue to give support, that is a political decision. If they don't, that's a political decision. So, And they need to make a decision very soon, don't they? Because some reports suggest that today, tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, the banks will actually run out yeah. physically of money. Yeah, absolutely. So the, the, I, I, if this was some great game theory, some great negotiating tactic, then it was a pretty brave one. Um, I mean, it, you know, we should have done a deal six months ago, a year ago, when before... Syriza was 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 elected, but you know. And who who who, Richard? Do you think are the biggest blocks on perhaps conceding to Greece? Uh, Wolfgang Schäuble has been pictured all over the no posters in the Greek referendum he, as without as, a doubt as the villain. But uh, is, and is, the room uh, and the room in the market, which this morning was that he that part of the deal was that he was going to be you know the Americans had. Uh, were insisting that he should be he should be made to stand down so that which is obviously complete nonsense. <laughs> but the fact that you get those rumours going mm. around 
tells you how much he's become a poster boy I don't think that because the the opinion polls in Germany um, Roger Boys are that I think about 60% now of Germans want Greeks out of the Eurozone and only 20% stay stay in if Schleuber was to go he's he's their sort of fighter for the German interest. That's the it. German reaction to that would be furious, wouldn't He's it? got to sell it to the Bundestag, yeah. you know. Um, and only someone who's taken a hard line will ever be able to get that kind of parliamentary approval that you would need at the end of a end of a deal. Um, and he's, you know, uh, you know, we haven't even approached the whole question of a third bailout yet, which is uh, which is the biggest nightmare in, in German politics that, that there is. I mean, fortunately for the Germans, there is no uh, regional election coming up just yet. But it's, but uh, next year is going to be very electorally sensitive because the elections in 2017, and uh, uh, it's. It, the end of this year and the beginning of next is the time when Angela Merkel decides whether to step down or not. Mm. Um, but who, who who would be the anti sort of bailout party though? Because you have the CDU and the SPD in government um, together. Mm. You have the FDP, which is sort of you know hardly existing at the moment. You have uh, the Greens. Are they anti bailout? I would have thought they would be sort of in, in no, solidarity. No, in solidarity they, with yeah, the Greens. No, they're all in favour um, of. Um, an alternative for Deutschland is um, is splitting at the moment, isn't it? Into yes, various I'm glad factions. you acknowledge that, uh, <laughs> since you were a great champion of Alternative for Deutschland for a long time. I hope that they might be a Eurosceptic voice in politics, but let's not our differences yes. <laughs> mean too much in this podcast. Uh, but but where, where is the opposition to this going to come from in, in general Well, to politics? a bailout. To, a ba- to another bailout, if that's what Mrs Merkel and Wolfgang Schäuble think is necessary. Uh, well, it's going to come right across the spectrum. Uh, even, ben- even, ben- even the ben- Social rebellions. Democrats are not, are not happy with it. They've got lots of votes to, uh, at stake there. So, you know, that's all looming, looming really. And so, because Richard slightly preempted my question, because I was going to say, was it um, Wolfgang Schäuble, was it Germany, or was it Ireland, Portugal, Spain, who are most resistant to another Greek bailout, because those countries have taken huge austerity measures. Yeah. They are in the position that, as you say, yeah, Richard, Greece was six months ago. They're recovering. Why should they forgive Greece the medicine when they have swallowed theirs? And and at an even more practical level, if you're if you're if you're the government in any of those countries, the last thing you want to do is for people to think that they can vote for an alternative that will get a better deal. I mean, so which and, and in Spain yeah. you have the Podemos left wing party mm-hmm. very much modelling itself on um, Mr. Cyprus's so you, party. Uh, you have uh, some people blame Angela Merkel's mishandling for all that and. They're kind of a bit right, but the truth is there's just this massive accumulation of anger. You've got the Slovaks, you know, countries that are basically poorer than Greece, wondering where the heck they fit into it. You've got the classic north versus south, creditor versus debtor thing. You've got Spain, uh, you know, a centre-right government in Spain that wonders what this is all about. Uh, And you've got Ireland and, you know, and suddenly you've got a whole continent first of all, ranked against Greece because of um, Syriza's uh, mishandling, but also a, a whole continent that doesn't really know where it's going. It's, it's, it's opposed to what's going on in Greece for so many different layered reasons. What's your bet, um, Richard, on what will happen? Um, will Grexit occur or will somehow we go through another muddle through? 
up until a week ago, I was very positive and had been throughout that there would be a deal. And um, it looks increasingly like I'm probably wrong. So <laughs> I, I really, really hope there is some we can muddle through and there is there is uh, there is a deal. I, I don't think a Brexit would be good for Greece and and. Uh, not for Greece, not for good for Greece in the long run, or not for Greece in I know, the short in the, run, in the, or not for good for Greece s- at all. Certainly not good for Greece in the short or medium term. I just don't believe it would be. I just it, it would be so damaging to the economy and confidence. And uh, I just don't believe. And I and I don't believe that they're an economy that would would benefit from having a, a devalued currency. Particularly, I, I just think it would be. A, I think it would be. Ta- and, and I'm not some great sort of European project. You know, mm. I don't believe in the sort of great European project. I just think it would be bad for for, for Greece. Roger, uh, Richard mentions the great European project. How how's that affected by what we're seeing in Greece at the moment? Because obviously Britain is wanting its renegotiation. We had the summit a, a week or so ago when actually they couldn't really even agree quite modest sharing of the immigration numbers from the Mediterranean crisis. Now, of course, we've got this huge Greek problem. Uh, is Europe in bad shape is there something wrong about the whole way it tries to make decisions now um, is it just too big yes and we're, we're going to see it uh, this process accelerate now because uh, if uh, suspension of greece from eurozone leads to grexit and if grexit leads to its sliding out of the european union well then you're going to have this potentially into Putin's sphere. Well, of extraordinary, yes. You mm. you you then unbottle all sorts of geopolitical forces uh, because you destabilize the Western Balkans. You encourage Russia. You know, China is already in or bidding for the Piraeus uh, port. You know, this is just gold for Putin, uh, really. And that's a terrible statement about Europe's ability to define what what the West is. And yet that, that's how it was constructed. When I remember when Helmut Kohl brought it in, and brought it in, I mean, exceeded exceeded to the French request after German unification. It was, he sold, you know, the Germans were dead sceptical because they you know, they wanted their Deutsche Mark. Uh, they thought it would be, you know, a new era of hyperinflation. And Helmut Kohl stood up and said, well, you've got to take it because it's a question of war and peace. The euro is a question of war and peace. Mm-hmm. And the, if there's one thing that trumps the fear of inflation in Germany, it's the fear of of that kind of conflict and mm-hmm. that sort of looseness of the anchor. Uh, well, that's all for, and that that's been the kind of ruling consensus, the political consensus, and it's the it's the inheritance that Merkel has to live with, and that's all unraveling. You know, you've got not just the eurozone, you've got migration, as you said, you've got problems in the east of the country, so you've got east versus west, west Europe, you've got north versus south. It's all falling apart. All, all very optimistic. Yeah. Um, is there any optimism for David Cameron, Richard Fletcher? Because um, he's got this renegotiation that um, apparently was only given 10 minutes at the recent summit, during which it is reported the French president left to take a toilet break. Um, I don't know whether that was a sign of his uh, view of the importance of the British renegotiation. But um, does it in some way strengthen his hand? Because... The last thing now Europe needs is for a referendum to take place in Britain, which they start worrying about, because Brexit, if Grexit wouldn't cause an existential shock to the European Union, Brexit certainly would. Might they just be more likely to give a few concessions to, to Britain now to ensure that when the referendum does come, which insiders are now thinking is March next year, Britain will vote to stay in? I suppose it depends on 
what you believe Cameron's trying to achieve. I think it's certainly think good we for... We can entirely know yet, do no, we? No, <laughs> I think it's definitely good for Eurosceptics, and although I believe, you know, uh, Greece is probably better staying in now, it obviously should never have joined, and it's a great... I mean, it's been... My Twitter feed has been great fun over the last couple of days. One, because you've had Ho- Owen Jones and Dan Hannan agreeing on stuff, <laughs> and two, because uh, very naughty uh, Eurosceptics like yourself have been taking the opportunity to remind us what some people have said uh, ten years ago. So I think it's good for the Eurosceptics because it gets them, they, they can remind everybody that exactly the same people who are telling us that we desperately need to uh, stay in the EU today were telling us we desperately need to join the Euro uh, uh, only a few years ago. Uh, is it good for Cameron? I, I suppose it, you know, you could argue that, as you do, you know, that the idea that they'll, they'll, they'll make more concessions because they're desperate to, you know, then for someone not for someone else not to leave. But I mean, I, I don't know if. I mean, Roger would know better than me. I'm not sure politics is that simple, is it? I, I, is, is it that mm. simple? I, I'm not sure. Well, I, 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 no, it's not. But I, I think uh, Grexit surely means that uh, we're moving faster towards integrated banking unions and all these kind of reassurance measures. And that in turn involves treaty change, does it not? Mm. So we are opening up an opportunity for for Cameron to, to, um, to roll out his stall. Um, so I think in purely protocol terms uh, i think it's actually quite a quite a useful thing i mean sorry about you know the greeks but <laughs> but but in <laughs> in, in From terms a of point of view <laughs> excellent terms um before we before we end let's come back again to the the uk uh richard we seem to be discussing budgets a lot everywhere uh, george osborne has another budget we're a couple of days away from it and there used to be a time in history when we never knew what was in a budget until the chancellor actually got to his feet it is always his feet um but this time we know quite a lot about what's already in it and we know it's going to be tough yeah, I was rather hopeful that the end of the coalition would, would mean that the end of budget leaks, because there, there used to be this argument that, well, if we didn't leak, the other side would leak, and therefore that's why we got so many leaks. You know, I'm old enough as a journalist to remember, you know, where you were lucky if you had one or two leaks on the Sunday, and mm. these days, by the time he stands up on Wednesday, I've almost written the news list before, uh, before he's even stood up. Yeah, it's definitely going to be tough, but it would be, you know, five-year fixed parliament. This is the first budget. It's your chance to hopefully everyone will have forgotten in five years what you did today. And if you're clever, you'll have enough to give a few giveaways in, in, in four and a half years' time. So I think it's going to be tough. You know, it's going to be a hard film. I think almost everyone, I'm sure there will be a rabbit in the hat, you know, whether it's, you know, the equivalent of annuities. And that rabbit in the hat may even be revenue raising. Who knows? But it, there will be there, there will be a big surprise on Wednesday. Mm. And that big surprise, uh, is it a further tough measure or is it sort of radical tax reform? Because this is, I think it's, is it George Osborne's sixth budget as chancellor but it's his first as a tory chancellor this is the first time he's not had his hands bound by the liberal democrats we know there's going to be 12 billion pounds of welfare cuts we know there's going to be some tough medicine um but he was when he first became shadow chart so i don't know if you remember he yeah. talked about flat taxes and all sorts Absolutely. He talked about we, flat taxes we... he talked about ta- where where you treat interest you know is it is it you know treating that after tax rather than before tax? so he was very radical as a shadow and he uh, uh, he would love to find a radical piece of reform that actually raises money, like annuities. F- Freedom annuities was a radical piece of reform, massively popular, but was actually revenue raising. So I'm sure the Treasury have been desperately trying to find that rabbit for the last few months. I don't know whether they've managed to or not. But you don't you don't want to make a 
prediction. prediction. Well, my only prediction is not is is the the, the I think there could be uh, there could be some talk about how we you know the the buy to let mortgages and effectively that you're allowed to deduct the interest so so it's effectively a tax relief i think you could see reform there but that that will be that one will be muttered in a gordon brown type way that won't be the <laughs> rabbit pulled out of the hat i mean the other line that may well be muttered uh, would be council tax revaluation if you're going to do that you have to do it now i mean i'd love to see him merge national insurance and income tax and as you know that he, the, he has pondered on that before but i'd i'd be very surprised if we saw that okay well uh, richard fletcher uh, roger boys thank you very much for uh, guiding us through particularly the uh, greek drama thank you to dave mcguire my producer for putting this podcast together and if you are a times reader please do go to the times.co.uk slash comment central where you can read some background articles uh, to the issues that we've been discussing and also subscribe via itunes so that you never miss an edition until next week goodbye Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.